A trigger warning here, there is some talk about thoughts of self-harm. So if that upsets you, you may want to step away for a few minutes. That's fine. I'm here on this stage tonight because someone's act of generosity saved my life in my mid-20s. But in order for you to understand, I need to explain a little bit about where I came from. I was born in a small Midwest town and raised by family members who were cult leaders. Yes, I did say cult leaders. And even though I've been out for many years and I've been estranged from my family since that time, to use that word to describe the paradigm I grew up in still gives me a pit in my stomach. It was a world that was motivated by fear, guilt, and shame, but they called it love and righteousness. I tried to fit into that world. I really did my very best. I loved my parents. I loved my family. And I tried to march along to the program. I learned early on how to put on a convincing smile, what to say and not say, what to do and not do, where to be seen and not seen. I left home as soon as I graduated high school, married the first boy I kissed, and had a baby nine months later. I was attracted to my husband because, well, he was 27 and had a house and a Nintendo and watched R-rated movies and wasn't shy about talking about sex. So my 17-year-old self thought it was a dream come true. It was my ticket to freedom, baby. But it didn't quite work out that way. It turns out that he liked to drink a lot and would often drink to the point of passing out in the basement. He had time for me between video games and work, but was essentially emotionally unavailable. He controlled the bank account and we shared a car, but somehow he always had dibs. I didn't have any friends, and my family was hundreds of miles away. Our little boy that I love so much wasn't developing typically. It would have been okay for me to live outside the home, or not live outside the home, but to work outside the home, but raising the child and keeping the house were my job. So when my baby was having trouble, I felt like it was all my fault. When I was about 21, I really pushed the doctors to give me some answers. Because up until that point, they kept telling me that he was developing normally, but I felt like something was wrong. When other kids were experimenting with language and getting curious about their environment, my child was waving his hand in front of his face, running into the wall repeatedly, and was often humming like a whale. Eventually, we got referred to some specialists, but all they had were labels like 
pervasive developmental disorder, and high-functioning autism. There was really no answers, not much hope, and not much help. I wanted to die. Because death seemed like a more reasonable alternative to changing my circumstances at the time. Changing my life at that point felt impossible. And at one particularly low point, I distinctly remember sitting on the old, ragged, olive green couch with arms torn apart by cat scratches in the little, old, messy house. And I had my eyes closed, tears streaming down my face, snot running down my nose. There was a Bible in my lap, and I was crying out to God, please help me. I messed up. I've been trying to be good, but everything is a mess. Please help me. And at that moment, I felt this surge of energy come from the sky, down through my entire body, through my feet. And I thought, God, please help me die or help me change my life. And when I opened my eyes, my little boy had found his way over to me, pulled himself up on my knees, tilted his head, and in my mind I heard him say, what's wrong, Mommy? I love you. And I thought, I have to change my life. So, the first order of business was to get a self-sustaining job and my own bank account. So I scoured the Des Moines Register classifieds and found a position for a pre-press technician working 1.30 to midnight, Thursday through Saturday. Well, that was perfect for me because I had no social life and I would have minimal daycare. That was only two weekdays that I would be at work and only in the afternoons. I had some Photoshop experience because somehow in all of this, I managed to talk my parents into letting me go to technical school. And it was at that job, oh, I forgot something. I almost didn't go to the interview because I had such low self-esteem. And then I almost called to resign my application because I didn't feel like I did well enough on the skills assessment. And I am so very grateful for that manager that gave me a chance, that believed in me when I couldn't believe in myself. Because my world completely changed one day when someone from the newsroom stopped by asking a personal favor. He had a picture that needed to be scanned and prepared so that he could use it for a Match.com profile. 
And I thought, well, I'm a fan of love. Sure, I'll help you in my downtime. And helping him with that picture led to many break time walks and heart to heart conversations. I opened up to him and I shared the struggles that I was having. He knew that I wanted to change my life, but didn't know how. And he knew that although I had been told that psychiatrists are to be feared and that mental health problems are just because you're not close enough to God, that there were professionals that could help me. He also understood that I didn't have a way to get there or a means to pay for it. So out of the kindness of his heart, he offered to give me rides and to pay for my therapy if I would do the work. And I was eager to do the work. I remember my first session when the counselor was asking me what my goals were. And I froze because up until that point, everything had been told to me, who I was supposed to be, how I was supposed to feel, what I was supposed to say, everything was told to me. So to be asked what my goals were was like, what? And I came up with, I just want to be okay being me. Things like loving myself and self-care, like those seemed like way too far off. I just wanted to be okay. And it was suggested that I find some place in my living environment that could be just mine. And I remember just staring blankly just not being able to comprehend the concept. And when I was asked things like, how are you? I would say how my son was doing, how my husband was doing, what the doctors weren't doing, what my coworkers weren't doing, absolutely everything except for how I was doing. But that's been over two decades ago now. And I am pleased to report that my baby is now a fully self-sufficient grown man with his own car that he paid for himself, a sustainable career, and a beautiful downtown loft. I am a life transformation coach and I help other people that are in life transitions and navigating that sometimes really dark hallway between one way of being and another. And sometimes I support people that are dealing with mental health challenges as part of their treatment plan. Because sometimes what you really need is some love. Someone to just listen and hear your story and make it be okay. I want to make it abundantly clear that my parents are good, devoted, disciplined, dedicated people that have just been doing the very best they could with what they believe to be true. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have come into this world, and for that I'm eternally grateful.
And as for that man who was so generous to me in my 20s, he's still one of my closest friends. And I want to leave you with the message to not let fear or attachment to any kind of social status or relationship status keep you from sharing your heart. Because the greatest gift that we can give one another is loving, authentic, non-judgmental presence. Those things that make us feel weird, like we don't fit in and we don't belong, those are the very things that summarize our uniqueness, that can be the keys to some of our greatest gifts. So I just want to say, Thank you for listening.